Julie, we're ready to go. Hey, thank you. Good evening and welcome to the May 10th, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight, and he is joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, Commissioner John Trasvina, and Commissioner J.R. Epler. <coughs> also present is Deputy City Attorney Jen Huber, who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Corey T, the zoning administrator representing the planning department, and Matthew Green, chief building inspector with the Department of Building Inspection. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Mr. Longwear, our legal system will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now, public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person. Two, via Zoom. Uh, go to our website and click on the Zoom link under hearings. Or three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 863-0776-462. And again, SFGov TV, is SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions <clears throat> across the bottom of the screen if you are watching the live stream or broadcast. And to block your phone number when calling in, first dial star six seven, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star nine, which is equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star six to unmute yourself. You will have three minutes and our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it is very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there is interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we'll take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now, we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say, I do, after you've been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? 
Okay, thank you. If you are a participant and you're not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. So we are now moving on to item number one, which is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who'd like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there any member of the public who wishes to speak on an item that is not on tonight's calendar? Alec, is there anyone present in the hearing room? Yeah, we have one person that wishes to speak. Okay, please approach the podium. Thank you. Can we have the overhead, please? Overhead, please. You have three minutes. Let's zoom this out a little. Oh, sorry. Um, I was here two weeks ago to speak on behalf of um, Friends of the Mission Greenway and the wider mission community. Um, I wanted to give you an update on what's been happening the last two weeks since we were last here. Since you, you know, I've stated you wanted to write a letter. Um, so. Since we last met here, uh, Monkey Brains has completely blocked public access from the parcel along 22nd Street by adding this $300 monster lock, which they ironically had to cut part of the gate to make it fit. You can see there's parts of the um, chain link missing. They cut that, which is, of course, also the gate that they stated was damaged, damaged thus needed to be replaced by them. They have not removed that lock. They have not responded to our emails urging them to share um, lock, to share, um, you know, a lock. Um, they've actually, we've put shared locks there, which they've removed, which we've also already mentioned this two weeks ago. But since the hearing, they have, you know, upped the harassment towards the community and have increasingly attempted to block pu public access by this lock. On the other side, on the treat side, uh, the other business mission kids, the preschool has uh, put a lock on our lock with which we had shared access. So they're doing the exact same thing, which is removing public access, which you know, public access had existed there since the 1860s, since the parcel, um, since its inception as a railway. So even though, you know, concluded here two weeks ago was that they don't have legal rights, as in they are not owners and they don't have recorded easements, but what's happened is that we are actually being more and more pushed out. And by us, I mean the mission community. What we also didn't mention back then is that since many months we've been threatened with, by legal action from these businesses, also prior to Monkey Brains, since they only moved in two months ago, in these letters from an attorney, um, you know, the adjacent businesses use terms like legal rights and lawful property rights. They threaten with a court order, monetary damages in a civil suit. In December, they placed multiple signs along the fence pretending to be owners. 30 seconds. Things. The si 
those signs that read right to pass by permission and subject to owner's control, civil code 1008. Another attorney's letter was sent on February 14th, stating community members by their full name, which those members hadn't supplied in public, which I consider a further means of intimidation. They've also told adjacent neighbors that they shouldn't speak with us and that they're looking at their security footage and they don't want neighbors to be speaking with us, their neighbors. Thank you, that's time. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Is there any further general public comment? Please raise your hand. Uh, okay, I don't see. I don't see any on in the. Okay, public. thank you. So we'll now move on to item number two, Commissioner comments and questions. Commissioner, any, <clears throat> any comments, questions? Okay, thank you very much. None. Okay, thank you. We'll, we are now moving on to item number three, the adoption of the minutes. Commissioners, before you for discussion, possible adoption are the minutes of the April twelfth, twenty twenty three meeting. And Commissioner Trisvenia reached out to me before the hearing and stated that he would like to change the caption for item number six. This was the special item related to taxi appeals. The first sentence of the caption notes that Vice President Lopez sent a letter to the SFMTA. Commissioner Trisvenia would like the caption to state that Vice President Lopez's letter was sent on behalf of the Board of Appeals. Okay, uh, Commissioner, so I have a motion with, uh, with, with acceptance of the rec recommended change, please. Um, Commissioner Lambert? I, I move to adopt the minutes uh, with Commissioner Trasvenia's uh, amendment. Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on this motion? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any. So on Commissioner Lemberg's motion to adopt the minutes as, a, as amended by Commissioner Trasvenia, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trasvenia? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig. Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the minutes are adopted. <laughs> we are now moving on to item number four. This is appeal number 23-012, Mark Levinson and Annette Faraglia versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, Subject Property, 1462 Lake Street. Appealing the issuance on March 10th, 2023 to John Paulson of an alteration permit at a 10 foot cable fence. This is permit number 2023-02-23-24-72. And we will hear from the appellants first. Welcome, you have seven minutes. Oh, hello, um, I'm Annette Feralia and this is my husband, Mark Levinson. We submitted our brief on in April and um, the Paulsons submitted a reply on May 4th. I'm not sure if we're supposed to go over the brief in detail or not. Uh, I'm not familiar with the process, um, let me, but. Let me, let me advise you, <clears throat> this is a point where you, you would uh, present what you want us to hear. It might be a summary of your brief. It might be additional items that you want to call to our attention, um, but it, it basically, formally advise us and verbally as to uh, what your point of view is on the subject. Oh, okay. And, and then, then there'll be a rebuttal period after uh, the project sponsor um, gets to speak and they may say something that you would like to rebut or you might run out of time initially and, and find that you need to make another point. Okay, so, so that's, that's the best guidance would, I can give you. Would you like okay. to restart the time? Yes, President? please. Thank you. Restarting the time. Restart. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, we filed our brief because we, oh, sorry. We filed our brief because we were surprised when we saw uh, the Paulsons erecting a 10-foot fence. 
We knew that they had a permit for a six-foot fence, which was originally in the backyard, and we thought that was continuing out to the front. But then they started putting this metal structure up, and we were rather disturbed by it because it's quite large, and we only have one window in our dining room. And they're tall cables. They're 10 feet. There are various, the poles themselves are 10 feet, and then there's cables throughout. So we're concerned about vines growing up, and I don't know if there's pictures. There are vines growing up and blocking out the little light that we have. Um, There is a camellia tree there, and we get filtered light through the tree. We could always trim the branches of the tree, uh, but we can't do anything about a 10-foot fence. Right now, um, the the Paulsons have put some uh, imitation ivy around the poles. because we were concerned that the ivy would completely, the the vines would completely overgrow. But our our big concern is that there's a little, the ivy going around the poles, it still makes the poles larger. And as the sun goes across, it isn't just directly in front of the window, it's, it's coming down. And as it moves across, the poles create an additional shadow. The poles are not directly in front of it. It's a, it's th- a three-pane three window. The poles aren't directly in front of the window, but they're about two inches to the right and then two inches to the left and about 17 inches out. So it creates a barrier that isn't easy to see if you're looking at it from the outside. You think, oh, well, it, it's not directly in front of the window, but it has the same effect of creating a shadow In the reply brief um, that uh, the Paulson's attorneys filed, uh, they say, well, it's it's just a shadow, uh, you know, it's de minimis, the the shadow isn't a big deal, and it would just be shadow on shadow. But if you're inside the dining room where the window is, it's not de minimis. Um, And because we can't do anything about the poles and the vines, when the vines grow, we can't trim them. They aren't our vines. We can't reduce 10 feet poles, we could trim the branches of the bush or the tree. I call it a tree, but I guess technically it's a bush. So those are some of the concerns we had with the permit. And that, um, you know, we, we were surprised that the fence was erected before they had the permit. We know they had a permit for a six-foot fence, but then we found out that they didn't have the permit for the 10-foot fence. So um, in the reply, reply brief, uh, the Paulson's attorney stated that when they found out that, you know, that when a complaint was filed about the 10-foot fence, then they altered, I guess, their original permit to make it 10 feet high. And I guess my question would be that if you have a permit for a 6-foot fence and you know that your permit is for a 6-foot fence, it doesn't seem appropriate to build a 10-foot fence and then only get your permit months after you built the fence. I mean, they built it in January. They applied for the permit on February 23rd, and they only got the permit on March 10th. But the fence was completely erected by the time they got the permit. So what were we supposed to do? I mean, it was already there. It was like a fait accompli. And I I may not... There was a long history, which we talk about in our brief, um, but there was a lot of damage done to our property under their permits in 2022. And we attached exhibits C through G in our brief, which show the damage that was done to the side of our house. There was exposed concrete, shingles were knocked off, paint was disrupted, our garden was trashed, our front garden used as a staging area. 
and this went on for months. And we didn't go and actively complain because we didn't want to stop the job, but we did speak to the contractors and we said, you have to fix this. This is just a disaster. You know, are you going to fix it? And this went on and on and on. And then finally we had to write to the contractor and they responded and said, yes, we're going to fix it. And they listed everything they would do of restuccoing the wall and putting up the shingles. So, you know, we don't have, um, it was just a difficult history with these earlier permits. And we didn't complain forcefully, and I guess we should have, and that was our mistake. But, you know, we were just trying to be neighborly and let them finish their job. But a lot of damage was done, and it was disruption over a period of many months. So then we kind of thought, well, this is all over. The contractors have finally done these repairs, but now there's this 10-foot fence. So it was just very disheartening that that should happen. Um, in the re reply brief, one of the things that I found disturbing was uh, their attorney kept saying there was no damage under the 2022 per permits. When anyone can see by looking at our exhibits, there was plenty of damage. And then they end on, I think it was page five of their reply, they again say um, there was no damage. And then they attach exhibit I, which is a picture of when the repairs had been completed by the contractor. So yeah, the contractor did the repairs, but that's not the same thing as saying there was no damage. That's like someone crashing into your car and you get your car fixed and the person who crashed into your car says there was no damage. Well, of course there was damage. You got it fixed, but there was damage. So, you know, this damage occurred, and then there were various issues with the property line in the back where, you know, we were told they owned a portion of our property. It turns out they didn't own it. Uh, you know, just a lot of negative experiences. So I guess seeing this 10-foot fence and seeing that our little window, which is the only window there, it's, you know, the house is from 1904. We didn't fix the house up. It's, you know, old school. We just... You know, we keep it as it is. Uh, we're more into sustainability. We don't, we don't do that kind of thing. So it, it's, you know, it's not a big window, but it's our window. Like, that's our window. And, you know, to, to have to look at our window now seconds. and see these poles and, 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 and see the shadows, it's upsetting. You know, I find it really upsetting because I sit there and I put my back to that window, and that's where I do all my work at the table. And, you know, I needed the light, and it's just going to be gone. And the... The, I understand that the imitation vines aren't going to spread out, but they can take those vines down tomorrow, the imitation vines, and then the real vines will just grow up. So, you know, it's anyway, it's, it was just a difficult situation. Thank you. That is time. Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Lumberg. Uh, before uh, Commissioner Lumberg uh, asks a question, um, Mr. Teague, would you do me a favor and close that door? Uh, because we're getting, or Mr. Green, either one, thanks. Getting some noise in here. Sorry, I want to hear every word you say, <laughs> Commissioner Lumber. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your testimony. Um, I, you stated that uh, that the construction on the fence was was completed before the permit was issued. Can you can you go into a little bit more about what the timeline regarding the building of this fence was? The ten foot fence. Um, we saw poles put in, it was in mid-January, wasn't it? We saw these poles put in in mid-January, and we were pretty concerned because they were very tall poles, and we were under the impression that there was gonna be a six-foot fence put in. 
So it was like, wow, what are these poles? We talked to the contractor, because they were always on our property, you know, walking around. And the contractor would say to us, oh, well, the Paulsons told us not to talk to you. And we'd be like, well, you're building a fence on our property. I think you're supposed to talk to us. So it was just a very strange, very strange situation. But we saw these poles. And then, you know, we had various conversations. But it just, excuse me. Um, it, they just continued building it. And then the cables were put in, and then they poured cement. And I would say that it was basically completed right the beginning of February, right? It was completed the beginning of February. And then it was, they didn't even apply to build this till February 23rd. According, you know, it, it said, even in their rep reply brief, they acknowledged that. And they said, well, their contract, everything was supposed to be under a permit, but it wasn't. And it just seems odd to me that their contractor, I mean, they'd done hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. of work I, in their back ground. Yeah, so yeah. I, I have a follow-up question. Was, was there a six-foot fence built previous to that, or is it? No. was there never a six-foot no, fence? No, there's a six-foot fence in the backyard, ending the okay. like backyard, but then there was no fence. Okay, so there just was no fence, and then it was went from zero to ten? Yes. Okay, thank you. Okay, any further I questions? A, I have an additional question. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, uh, two questions. How long have you and the Paulsons been neighbors? Uh, 17 years. Okay. And uh, during the time of the construction of the, of, of the fence and you're filing this appeal, can you describe any interactions on the substance of this? Has there been any effort by either you or the Paulsons to talk to each other to, to resolve this in any way? Tremendous amount of effort. Um, we even, we've been told one thing. Um, Could you speak in the microphone? We've been told uh, by John Paulson that there was four feet of their property. Uh, That's the back fence, though. The back fence. We're talking about the new fence. Well, yes, yeah, we, um, we were told by John on the telephone that they're building a 10-foot fence. Um, and um, we emailed them, asked them for the dimensions of the fence so we knew where it was going. Um, got no response, emailed him again, got no response. Um, I talked to him on the phone later on, and he said, well, um, I said, John, why do you need a 10-foot fence there? Why don't you just have a 6-foot fence, and we'll still have light in our dining room window? And it's not just the light straight in, but on the dining room table from the sides, you really see the light. And he said, I want it because I can have it. So uh, I have a right to have it. So um, at that point, we filed a permit. Appeal. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the permit holders, and I believe Ms. Jones, the attorney for the permit holders, is here. Welcome. You have seven minutes. Good evening, uh, President Swig and Commissioners. Uh, my name is Alexandra Jones. Uh, I'm with the law firm of Dwayne Morris. I'm here with my co-counsel, Alice Barkley. Uh, the permit holders are also present. Uh, the issue before the board this evening is extremely narrow, um, and that is whether approval of a 10-foot high open cable, foot, cable fence blocks light access to a dining room celestial window on appellant's uh, side yard. This work was done without a permit. Uh, upon learning that they did not have a permit for the fence, the appellants uh, instructed their contra uh, contractor to obtain said permit, which was issued on March 10th. Uh, the appeal before the board this evening is without merit. Uh, the window in question is already heavily blocked by a large camellia bush. 
the camellia is located directly in front of and severely limits the sunlight access to the window from every angle, uh, both in front and from the sides and at all times of the day. Uh, camellias are also evergreen plants and therefore this is going to be blocking sunlight year round. I've brought with us uh, photographs that were included in our uh, reply brief. Overhead, please. Oh, it's it. Yeah, the way it's faced to you. Sorry about that. I paused time. There's a pinwheel on top. Yeah. There you go. It's a little hard to see with this, but the purpose of the photo is to show this is from the left-hand side uh, in about midday. You can see that the this window is almost completely blocked by the camellia bush. Next photo is from the front. Uh, this is from the permit holder's yard, uh, front uh, kitchen window, excuse me. You can see additionally that the window is completely blocked uh, by the existing tree. Additionally, from the right side, the same is true. You can <clears throat> Here you can see again that the poles from the trellis fence uh, are barely visible with the, uh, with the existing foliage from the tree. Um, <clears throat> the claim that the fence is the reason for blocking light to the window is not true. Uh, any minimal additional shadow that would be cast by this fence uh, would only be shadow upon existing shadow. Additionally, during construction on this project, the Paulsons endeavored uh, to construct the fence in a manner that ensures that no portion of the cable fence is in front of the window. The vertical metal poles are spaced so they are not in front of the window, they are on either side. A horizontal beam across the top is 18 inches from the top of the window. There are additionally no wire cables that go in front of the window. Uh, those are only below and to the sides. Um, in an attempt to appease the appellants and their concerns, they installed fake ivy, which will not grow. Uh, one of the appellants' primary concerns was that uh, vines and other plants would grow and create a complete barrier. Uh, that is not the case. Um, and here, appellants attempt to distract from the very narrow issue, which is, again, whether or not the light from uh, light into the window is blocked by the, by the cable fence. Uh, damage to the property issues under the 2022 permit are not properly before this board and were not raised um, in an appeal and therefore do not, uh, are not at issue here. Um, any repairs were completed uh, and again, they're, uh, they, uh, the, prior issues do not address the narrow issues present here. Any? Are you done? Thank you. Any questions? Uh, Commissioner yes. Lemberg. Thank you. Um, first question, whose property is the camellia on? The camellia is on the appellant's property. Okay. Because um, the one of the photos submitted in your brief shows that the the fence that was built actually goes pretty significantly through their tree, through like above and between branches. 
Um, so I guess my question is, you know, in, in your view, is this not something that had to have had the uh, the neighbors? permission to do, considering that it was being, it, it, I mean, pretty clearly, even from your own briefing, does affect their property pretty significantly. So the permit holders did make efforts to avoid any contact with the camellia bush. The uh, the cables do not touch the bush. Uh, the poles were built in such a way that they avoid, ooh, excuse me, they avoid the camellia tree. Uh, any six-foot fence that would have been constructed would actually have had much more impact on the tree because it would have been right at the level of the trunk. Uh, we note that this window is quite high uh, in the appellant's home, uh, and so a six-foot fence would actually have far more impact um, on, on the tree itself. Thank you. I, I also want to build off of what Commissioner Trasvini asked the appellants, which is uh, from, from your point of view or from your client's point of view, what what efforts were made on your client's behalf to to work with the appellants in, in this matter in, you know, something that, I mean, quite clearly does impact their light and does impact their property? According to our clients, they did have, take great efforts to communicate with the appellants. The appellants were did not respond to a lot of requests. They would only communicate with um, the Paulson's contractor. Uh, they would refuse to speak with them even when they were in their yards face to face. Um, so it's, you know, I think that there's definitely two sides to, to the story. Can, can you provide some more detail than that? I mean, dates, content of conversations, and, and if your clients are better suited to answer that question, they can. But I, I would like, I definitely would like to know that. Yes, I think our clients can speak to that issue. Uh, Mr. Paulson is present. Uh, if you have direct questions for his immediate uh, conversations. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. So with regards, you want, your question is regards to communication and all. When we started the project, <clears throat> um, the history is we had a survey done. And the surveyor, it turns out, made a mistake in saying that the fence was between 9 to 18 inches onto our property. And when I had the discussion with um, the, the Levinsons, um, in hindsight, they're saying that I told them it was four feet off. I'm, I'm sorry, which, is this after the fence? This is in built? the beginning of the project. So way back before we started construction. So the, the proposed, the surveyor told you that the proposed fence would be four feet onto? Oh, okay, just with the 10-foot fence. Um, the, okay, Mark and Annette wanted a, a, a six-foot fence built where there was no fence before. In the past, our properties went right to the edge of their house, we had the camellia tree. We couldn't build a fence because if we built a fence, a solid fence, the camellia tree would be wiped out. Okay, because it's, it's 18 inches from the edge of the house to the property line. The camellia tree is right in the middle. It's a big tree. So originally there, there, was, there was no fence, there was no nothing. I thought a good solution would be to have a cable fence because that would let light through. Um, 
Mark to expressed to me that they're worried about the light. I said, how about if we don't run any cables in front of your window? And he kind of nodded his head, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, so there would be no cables in front of the window. So it's, you have four posts, I believe. There's cables running, but nothing in front of their windows. And really, the way it was, I thought it'd be a good idea is because in that way, with the cables, it would be the least adverse effect on the camellia tree. So everybody likes the camellia tree. Everybody wants it to stay. There'd be no cables, horizontal cables, running from six feet up in front of the window. So now I'm a little confused as to the utility of the fake ivy, because that seems to be, from the photos that the appellants presented, the um, what's actually blocking the light to their windows well, is that. But well, the fence itself, I think, by in and of itself, as, as you just said, wouldn't have blocked the Right. Go. Well, the ivy can come off. We just thought one of the objections was the look of the steel. So we thought we were just trying to soften that for them. So we just put that up. But that could come off tomorrow. That's no big deal. Okay. So, you know. All right. And, and when, when did your conversations with the appellants happen? What, at what point in time was that? Um, I'd have to go back and look. I mean, it was um, probably... Um, during probably just after the construction of it, of the of the subject fence. It was after the fence was built that you or, had the conversation with what? them. I, I I don't I can't remember right now. But Alice, members of the board, my name is Alice Barkley, co-counsel. The the appellants. His wife, Polly Parson, have had several conversations throughout the construction of the fence under the 22 permit as well as this one. And what happened is that the fence is not a solid fence because of the window. It's a very open fence with all the bars, uh, su vertical support, about six feet apart, and then the wires in between is at least about 12 inches or so six, high, six to, six, eight. Six, six to eight inches, so that it's very open. It's not a solid fence because of the tree. And when they complained about the wine, vine being placed on the support, which is to soften it because it will block the light, they immediately take it away went and bought some fake vine to just wrap it around the vertical pose and the top of the uh, uh, bar, two by two bar, to soften the appearance. So uh, if they don't want it there, they can be taken up. Thank, thank you, Council. I, I, I want to kind of go back to what my original question is, was, which is, was there any conversation between your clients and the appellants before the fence was built? The person that would be the best person to answer it will be uh, Polly uh, Pawson, Mrs. Pawson, because she's the one that had attempted to talk to them, okay. and they just walked away. I would like to hear from Ms. Paulson then. Thank you. Good evening. 
So can you please reiterate the question? Yes, my, my question is a simple one. Did you have a conversation with either of the appellants prior to the fence construction beginning in January? Yes, um, the fence, I was always out in the backyard and um, if, if anyone needed to ask any questions, they were welcome to ask me questions. They never asked me, would, they would never talk to me. They would only talk to Adam or, or George, the workers. And we had these posts, and it was an ongoing conversation because one day they, these long um, steel bars were like sitting around the backyard, and then one, one day they put in a couple of the posts. Well, Annette um, contacted John or Adam and said, you know, what is going on with these posts? If you're putting these in, you... Um, so, I, sorry to interrupt. The, I, I'm, the, the, the cement needs to be a certain way. It cannot be on our property. Okay. So there was ongoing conversation before the fence was put up. But that doesn't sound like that was before construction began. Am I, am I, am I missing something here? It, it sounds like construction began and then you had a conversation with your neighbors. Without, uh, the, as has been established already, without the, um, the utility of a permit, which we already know and your own council has admitted. Was there a conversation before construction began with your neighbors? We, I believe we did have a conversation with them and they did not want the 10-foot fence. And was that it or was there more to that conversation? Um, we, they wanted, what they wanted was a fence all the way down to the sidewalk and we needed to put something there because the, their property is um, 18 inches to the, to the original fence and when originally the fence that we put up that we agreed to have had these wings and the wings went to their house and then they said we cannot have the wings. The wings, like the gate went to the house and the, um, one wing of, on the gate went to the house and one wing at the end of the fence that started at their house go, went to their house. They said we cannot have those. We agreed to have these wings at the very start. We were only gonna do the fence from the calendar's house, which is the other neighbor, down to their house and with the wing, which was originally what was there. They said no wings. So we sat there and we said we need to put up something because we have dogs. They wanted to do a fence. So we, we had conversations about this 10-foot fence with them. And so um, this is when we started to put it up. And um, Mark came out, and I was standing there, would not talk to me, but he would talk to George or Adam, the um, contractor and his lead worker. And uh, one, one day, uh, uh, Mark was on the phone with Annette, and then that was like, did you figure it out? And, and, and Mark said, um, uh, I'm, I'm talking to him about building a fence, doing our own fence. And so he went through this whole process with Adam to build a fence with me standing right there. And never would he talk to me the entire time would either one of them talk to me. In fact, one time I went outside of the sidewalk and I wanted to talk to Annette. She ran from me and jumped in her car and drove away. Okay, I, th I think I'm done with this question. Thank you.
Okay, thank you. Any further questions? No? Uh, Commissioner Epler. Okay. Thank you. Um, just so there, there was a change in the plans from a six foot fence to a 10 foot fence. And it also sounds like there was a change in the design of the fence from a fence you described with wings to the current wire fence. Is that accurate? Yes. Um, it, it, it no, no. Commissioner, they were, the original plan and the fence was under the 2022 permit. Mm -hmm. And at that plan has no fence whatsoever at the end of the house to the front to the uh, street and the sidewalk. And this fence was put in with our permit, which was a mistake by the contractor as soon as they were informed they obtained the permit, which is the permit before this board right now. All right, thank, thank you for clarifying that. Um, but I don't think it, going to be material at the end of the day. My question then is, since there was conversation, if not plans for a six-foot fence, what caused the change from the idea of a six-foot fence to a 10-foot fence? What, because there was never a six-foot fence plan in front of that particular uh, portion, because a six-foot solid fence was what was in the around the side yard in the backyard will not be you will not be able to build one because of the trunk and the branches is uh, over onto my client's property so so the answer to my next question which is why could not a six foot wire fence be built there is because the top bar would be would be the tree would impede the top bar of a six foot wire fence well also Overhead, please. Also, from this photograph, well, it's hard to see. As you can see, here is the uh, top of it, and this comes down. Mm -hmm. So, because this is at an angle, this is actually behind it. So, the problem with the six foot uh, fence is that the branches down here are. Uh, will interfere with the solid fence. And so they decided to do it with a 10-foot fence so that they can go above uh, the window high enough so that it would not will have any kind of minimum impact on shadowing. Uh, minimum impact on that. You started with the premise that it was because of the interference with the tree, but you ended with the premise that it was because of the impact of the shadows. That's a celestory window, right? That's a, or class, I can't say that's an architectural term. It's a high up window, correct? It is a high window, except the top of this fence is right. above it. 18 right. inches. It, and, and I'm going to, since this is a 19.0 early, I think they said house, I'm going to presume it has very high ceilings, so that window is going to be pretty high up from the floor. So anyone that's looking through that window, the window is, is going a, to be looking upwards. The window is a clear story window, as you can see from the window in the brief that they took from inside the window at an angle looking up. Right, or which one would do unless they're nine feet tall in, in most circumstances yep. with that window, um, which just kind of gets to, uh, I want to ask, that top beam being above the window actually has more impact to the light because light comes from above and the people inside will be looking from below in all circumstances. So instead of minimizing the impact of the fence, whether there's a good reason or not, you know, having the top of it be that high actually 
increases the impact of the fence. Excuse me, can you repeat that again? Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just, I, I think I'm okay. Thank you. Julie, we're ready. Okay, thank you. So we will now hear from the planning department. Thank you. You can be seated. All right. Good evening, President Swig, Commissioners, Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator for the Planning Department. It's good to see you all after a little bit of a hiatus. Um, I will just briefly go over this permit and question from purely from a planning code and planning department perspective. Uh, as you know, the address is 1462 Lake Street. It's located in the RH1 zoning district, single family home. The subject permit um, for the fence in question, the cable fence in question, that was um, reviewed by the planning department and approved over the counter on February 23rd of this year. Uh, the location of where this fence is is within the buildable area. It's not in a required yard. It's not in a required setback. So technically, it's in the buildable area. It's in a portion of the property where you could do a, an actual building addition if you wanted to. Um, because of the height and the nature of the fence, it also was not subject to neighborhood notification, um, which is why it was approved um, over the counter. Um, this seems to be, you know, tantamount to like a property line window situation, which you guys have, you know, had your fair share of. They're always challenging. We don't have anything in the planning code um, that really protects those scenarios or really addresses these issues um, directly. They are always tend to be more of a um, neighbor issue, more of a civil dispute. Um, but considering that it's a relatively straightforward permit, it was correctly reviewed and approved by the planning department because it is compliant with the planning code, didn't require any neighborhood notice. And so from a planning department's perspective, it's our opinion the permit was appropriately issued. And I'm available for any questions that you may have. Thank you. I'll any President, questions? President Swig has a question. I'll ask you a couple. Um, first of all, the, what's the legal height of a, a new fence? Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it depends on what you mean by legal height. Um, in this part of the 12, lot. If I want to put a 12-foot height fence behind my, my house, is that legal or illegal? If it's in the required rear yard, the maximum height is 10 feet. Okay. If you want to go higher than that, it requires variance. If it's okay. in the required front setback, the maximum height is 3 feet. Um, if you're in the buildable area, that's where you can build building, right? So. And that, then it's just a matter of whether or not it's going to be subject to notice or not. So you could do a 20-foot fence where this fence was. It just would have required neighborhood notice instead of um, the 10-foot limit means it didn't require any neighborhood notice. Uh, but according to regulation, uh, this fence is fully compliant and Correct. is in no way illegal other than the fact that it was built uh, prematurely and without a permit. Correct. Correct. I mean, the permit itself and the fence itself, um, as it was proposed and exists, is compliant with the planning code. So would you remind us, uh, as a commission, uh, and let's see, we probably have about 20 of these a year, uh, where somebody jumps the gun, builds a fence, and goes, oops, uh, I should have got a permit for that. So uh, what is the, when somebody goes, oops, I, uh, and said I should have gotten a permit, but I'm getting one now. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the, the retroactive um, situation, or, or what does the planning department sure. do about that? And it's really a two-prong thing because there's the planning department side of it, there's the Department of Building Inspection side of it. 
from the planning department you know our enforcement program is almost entirely about abatement like fixing the issue it's not punitive except for some very specific um, carve outs for that um, in this situation a lot of times this happens and there's never been a complaint to the planning department it's usually some other way the person finds out and they just come and get the permit after the fact which is what would be required if there was an enforcement project we'd basically say get your permit and then obviously if you build something that couldn't be approved you'd have to amend that or if you could get a variance and it's basically a process of just get the required permit which is what happened here now on dbi's side it's a little bit different in terms of how they treat work that's been done without a permit and i can let my colleague from dbi speak to that more specifically mr green would you prepare yourself to answer that question thank you uh final question. i will say those for this one there was no complaint to planning, there was no planning enforcement case related to this situation. Okay. Thank you. Uh, final question. Uh, the, the elegant area of light, air, views, et cetera, et cetera. Quite often, as you know, about 20 times a year, uh, there is a, a fence built, a deck built, a something structure built, and there is a complaint about uh, views, light, and, and air. Um, had this been not built already, and we were hearing it uh, pre-fence being built uh, without a uh, permit, uh, and the subject of light would have come up. Uh, what would have been your uh, response to uh, Im impedance of light? Sure. In this case, it really fits after the fact, even if it's already been built, if it's a problem, if it's not meeting the code or it's not meeting certain guidelines, we still look at that. Right? That's something that may still need to be addressed. Um, in this case, for this type of situ situation, this even if it, the permit would have come beforehand, this would have been approved over the counter. Um, you know, this is a case of like two adjacent, you know, decent-sized single-family homes. There's a lot of other windows and light access into this home. Um, I think I would say it's a little bit different situation sometimes when we see kind of multifamily buildings where you have units that only have maybe limited window access in their primary rooms. Um, and we can sometimes take a little more notice of that and see if there are ways we can try to accommodate those situations. But typically with you know larger single family homes that have a lot of different windows, um, especially in this case, um, if it was a dining room, clerestory window, that's typically not gonna be a primary um, light receiving type of window in that situation. And for this type of fence, we would have there wouldn't have been anything under the planning code or the residential design guidelines that would have instructed us not to approve this permit. Okay, so so in in your view, this is a fully compliant fence, uh, albeit it was built prematurely without a permit. Uh, with regard to light and air, it it satisfies the the issue of available light and air, and probably the only the thing that really went went wrong here is two neighbors couldn't see eye to eye, and. Um, and we have a neighborhood dispute, neighbor dispute as opposed to a compliance or, or, or legal dispute, correct? Sure. I think from a planning code perspective, that's correct. So in your view, the, the permit was issued correctly and it, uh, based on uh, the, the compliance to regulation? Correct. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any further questions? No. Okay. We Thank will you. now hear from the Department of Building Inspection. Uh, good evening, President Swig, Commissioners. Matthew Green representing the Department of Building Inspection tonight. Uh, the permit before you is to add a 10-foot cable fence at the east property line of 1462 Lake Street. 
the question was, this fence was built prior to the permit being issued. It's also, there's no notice of violation that was issued, so there's no penalty attached to this. We just, you know, they're, they're complying, so there's no need to issue a notice of violation. Uh, some details about it. Um, all work's supposed to be performed on the 1462, uh, side of the 1462 Lake side of the property line. Uh, the fence does not require to be fire rated. Um, all fences on the um, side and rear property lines, if they're under six foot feet, they don't need a, per a building permit at all. Since this is over six feet, a building permit is required. Um, I would add, there just been some comments about not building the uh, fence to the actual approved plans where they're gonna not put in all the uh, horizontal cables. I just, if I could use the overhead. Overhead, please. So the, 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 the plans as approved show these uh, horizontal cables going all the way. Um, I think the property or the permit holder was discussing about removing some of these vertical, sorry, horizontal cables underneath the window. Um, if they were to do that, I would say they wouldn't comply with the approved permit. And that maybe if, if that is the way the board wants to go, I'd say a special conditions permit, um, uh, making that clear would be appropriate. Um, there's also some questions about the six-foot fence. Just to clarify, one more thing. There's, there's a permit from 2022. It was issued in August 22 for some extensive um, landscape work. And part of that permit is to replace these existing six-foot fence, which is this fence here. Um, prior to this 2022 permit, there wasn't any fence here at all. Um, basically, the um, neighbor's wall served as the fence for all intents and purposes. Um, so that I would say this permit, after the planning department approval, it was approved and issued properly, and, and it does comply with the building code. I'm available for any questions you may ask. Uh, I'll ask question then, Commissioner Lemberg. Um, so again, uh, according to DBI, the way this, although, albeit it was pr prematurely done without a permit, there was no notice of violation, uh, and so, uh, inclusive of that hiccup uh, there this is a compliant fence and there are no issues correct uh, correct okay um, there, there I, I want to clear something up it's not in I hate doing this uh, it is not in the discussion tonight related to this uh, permit but since it was brought up by the appellant I feel that it should be cleared up uh, in in the case the damage was done on the appellant's property uh, uh, that would you clarify that that does not fall under the jurisdiction of this this commission and would you advise uh, uh, the appellant what steps would be taken and to satisfy any of their needs related to damage that might have been created? That, that would be a civil matter between the two parties it's a civil matter thank you very much just want to clarify that uh, Commissioner Lemberg Thank you, Mr. Green. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into what President Swig was talking about, and uh, we often don't have the benefit of uh, of seeing the permit itself. We only get the printout from uh, from the website, uh, but the permit holder actually did attach the permit to th their brief uh, in this matter, so we have the benefit of seeing the full permit. Um, and I'm looking at it, and it says, no change shall be made in the character of uh, of the occupancy or use without first obtaining a building permit authorizing such change. Um, there's several other clauses in here like this. I, 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 we've had this discussion several times in several different cases, but I, you know, 
the fact that they did come in and have even admitted to building this without a permit and then coming in afterwards and saying, this is the proposed use, this is our proposed project, how is that not, um, if they're saying we're, we're going to do all these things in the future after we get this permit issued, how is that not lying on the permit and how does that not make it so that the permit was wrongfully issued? Um, when by the own terms of the permit itself uh, and the timeline, which I asked the parties for, the permit was not properly issued at the um, according to the terms because it was for work that's already been completed. Uh, that's a fair point. So what would happen if we did write a notice of violation for this work, we'd say come in and get a building permit to either remove or legalize this fence. Um, it just seems kind of um, they were going through the process to comply with the notice of violation if we had written one. It, it just seemed overkill to actually write a notice of violation. So I, I understand your point, you're correct, but if, if we did go through the process of writing a notice of violation, the, the corrective action would be to get a permit such as this. And, 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 and just to be clear, if, if there had been a notice of violation, which obviously didn't happen, would would the plans that were presented in this permit have, would that have been sufficient to legalize it? Yes. Okay. The, the only difference would be there'd be language on the permit application, say, to comply with notice of violation, such and such. Right. And there, and there would be a, a penalty attached, a small penalty. Okay. Um, so just to go back to what I was saying, though. So, I mean, given all of that, given that the, the I mean, the, the permit holders have admitted that they did the work without a permit and got it afterwards, in your view, was the permit properly issued at the time it was issued? Not the content. Uh, the content is pretty, you know, I, I, you've, you and Mr. Teague have both stated pretty clearly that uh, the content of it is fine. Um, but was the permit properly issued on March 10th when this happened here? I, I believe so. If they, if they came in tomorrow with the same circumstances, we would issue the same permit. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any further questions? No. No. Okay, we will now move on to public comment. Alec, is anyone present in the room? I don't see any hands for public comment in the room. Is anyone here for public comment? Okay, if you're if you, you're attending via Zoom and you want to provide public comment, please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any public comment, so we're going to move on to rebuttal, and we will hear from the appellants. You have three minutes. Thank you. Mr. Levinson and Mrs. Paraglia, thank you. Hi, um, thank you again. There was a, a drawing here of the fence, black and white, um, that 1462 Lake put up. It did not show the big metal bar 10 feet up, which it's a high window. It's the only window we have on the entire western side of the house on both of our floors. And it's from 1904 when the house, <clears throat> excuse me, when the house was built. So there's a big metal bar way up here, and we're sitting down at the dining room table. There's also metal bars here and over here on the other side of the window. So when we're on our dining room table this way, we see it. Dining room table that way, we see it. We asked John to just lower it many times to just six feet, and then it would, wouldn't interrupt the window, and he would have his wall of plants. But we didn't get anywhere with that. I put emails to him to ask for the dimensions, got nowhere with that. So eventually, we had a come here today. 
And, and one thing I could mention, um, the gentleman who was up from the planning department said, these houses, these old houses have lots of windows. No, not our house. We have one window, that little window on that side wall. That's the only window. And in the living room, it's a living room, dining room combination. There's two windows in the front, and you don't get really any light in the dining room from these two windows that are in the front, and they're not very big. So I understand that some places may have lots of big windows. Now, we have windows in our kitchen. That is true. But the kitchen is completely cut off from the dining room. So you know, in our case, that's the window. That's it. And the Paulsons were well aware of that. So, you know, it was just disappointing. And I just think that some of the stuff that's presented was disingenuous, um, as I said earlier, about that they didn't do damage under the 2022 permit. Yes, they did. We got the contractor to fix it. And the reason we speak to the contractor is because they're the only ones we could have any kind of normal conversation with. And Mrs. Paulson was up here and said that I would run away from her in the car. And I don't, didn't even want to mention this, but after the back fence was built, Mr. Paulson said that he would pay for the back fence. We didn't ask him to. He said he would. Uh, we had a dispute over the boundary. They said they owned a portion of our property. They didn't own it. We had to ask a surveyor to mark it. And then it turned out they didn't own it. But anyway, um, Mrs. Paulson came up to me while I was sitting in my car and shouted at me and said, you are not to touch our fence. That fence belongs to us. Do you understand me? Are we clear? That is our fence. This is what she did. And no, and yes, I stopped speaking to her because I don't speak to people who yell at me. And that is the only reason I didn't speak to Mrs. Paulson. I would speak to Mr. Paulson, and Mark spoke to Mr. Paulson all the time. So to say that we didn't speak to them isn't true. I did not want to speak to Mrs. Paulson. If she wanted to apologize to me for shouting at me in the street, I would have spoken to her. But she told me I was not allowed to touch their fence that they owned. Thank you. That's time. So thank you. Um, Lumberg has a question. I have a question for you. Um, sorry. Um, so my question for you is, you know, having heard what both planning and DBI have said, that basically this, this permit was issued properly, and if they were to fix it, uh, if you had filed an, uh, a complaint with DBI, they had issued a notice of violation, the result essentially would have been the same. So my question for you is, what... What further step would make this better for you? What, I mean, what, what outcome would you like to see here? So there's three poles. There's one that's about 10 feet high. It's thick, and it goes up. And anybody sitting down will see that in our view. Um, and different times of year, the, tr the, the camellia bush is very thin. Sometimes it's blooming and it's thicker. There's always a lot of light that goes through it. And then there's two poles, smaller poles, on each side. And I'd like to see those poles pushed over probably four or five feet to the left and four or five feet to the right, eliminate that top pole completely. There's no reason. On the drawing, I didn't see a top pole on that drawing. There's no reason to have a top pole, I mean, a, a top border um, 10 feet high on there. It looks, looks like construction. And also, you, you know, you, you don't need it. It's just up there. Um, and as I said earlier, those poles, they're not directly in front of the window, but having a pole two inches on either side of the window, for all intents and purposes, they're directly in front. So, you know, we just, and it, ideally, yes, we'd love the poles moved a few, you know, several feet, but if they were even, instead of two inches, if it was just one foot on either side, 
you know, if they don't, you know, and we even had said, if you want the 10 foot fence, if you, well, they, they already had the poles up, but we did have a conversation with Mr. Paulson when we said, well, if, if you're putting this 10 foot fence in, can't you just move the poles away from our window? We did ask him that. And, you know, obviously the answer was no. Thank you. Julie, no further questions. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the permit holders. Ms. Jones, you have three minutes. My name is Barkley. Thank you. First of all, as you have been advised by both departments, the, the permit was issued lawfully. They started working without a permit, that is correct. But as soon as they find out that the contractor has started work without applying for a permit, which under his contract, he was not supposed to do any work without a, that is not in a, that have a legally issued permit. So as a result, he started work and once he was told that he have to get a permit, he stopped work until the permit was issued, and then he started working again. So it is an unfortunate incident for our client that his contractor went ahead and do something without a permit when under the contract he was required to get, obtain permit for all work. As far as to your question, the Permit holders don't have any problem if this board want them to remove the top bar in front of the window because that will not uh, impair the structure of the vertical poles coming up because when they are any pose that is coming up will need some kind of horizontal tie. So uh, they're perfectly willing to do that because they already got get rid of the uh, crossbar to make sure that they are not in front the window on their own. So if you have any other questions, I'd be glad to answer. Commissioner Lemberg. I do, thank you. Um, I wouldn't have asked this question, but you uh, brought it up in your rebuttal, so now I'm going to. Um, the appellant testified that uh, all of the work was completed before the permit was issued. Um, no. And you said something that was directly contradictory to that, which was that the contractor stopped work uh, when he realized that the that the fence hadn't been built, uh, or that there hadn't been a permit built uh, pulled to build the fence, and okay. then continued work afterwards. Which is which is correct? I will have the uh, the permit well, here, holder. Let me, let me address answer. this issue. Is um, uh, one day. The work was going on. The construction crew was putting the, doing the work. Mark came over and said, you need to stop work. I'm going to call the police. So literally, work stopped. Because all the construction workers left. And they didn't come back. So we had these poles up, partially complete. And so the work was not didn't start again until we had the permit. So, so it was mid-project. Can, can you give me dates? No, I, I don't know off the top of my head. OK. Thanks. The work stopped, got the permit, started again. Commissioner, or President Swig has a question. Yes, sir. Oh, you done? Okay. Um, 
Can you give me the, the proper name for the bar, at the, the architectural name for the bar at the top of the fence, please? You, you, you indicated that the permit holder would be willing the to. Crossbar. If, if, if I want crossbar. To make, okay. Crossbar. And I thank you for your flexibility in, in, in offering that, uh, that opportunity to remove the crossbar at the top of the fence. That, is it correct? Yes, we'll take it out. Great. The, the, I'm hearing two things. Is In front it, of the window. It, is it the crossbar here, or is it a cross? What, 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 what are you going to? I want. I need, if I'm going to put a motion forth that includes uh, a, a technical item, I need to know what the the technical item is. Okay. So the removal of the what, please? If I can, if I can have the plan. Okay. The the tree is here, yeah. so it will be the top bar. So what, what is the architectural reference to that? What do I address that bar as? The top bar? Well, you cannot take all the bar. You cannot take all of the top bar away because when they're vertical like that, they had to be tied together with something to make sure that it's stable. So what is the, all I'm asking is a real simple question. What is the permit holder willing to remove from the fence. It would be helpful if you could mark those plans with a pen, right. so we know exactly. This one right here. No. I, I need some words, please. To see the plan. Are you, are you the project architect? I'm the, I'm the landscape architect. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah. Maybe you could speak in the mic, please. It's the one in front of the window. Yeah. Uh, in on top of fence. At the yeah, at the, on top of fence. Fence over window. Okay. In front of the window. Yeah. yeah. So the so yeah. can I can I throw some words at you and see if they work? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so the, what the permit holder would be willing to do is to remove the, cr the top crossbar, which coincidentally blocks the window. Yes. Thank you. Okay, all done. And President, so you can have them submit those modifications to the board. So if that's where the board's deciding to go, we have it on record. Perfect. Perfect. Thank uh, you. Um, Mr. Tosfine, yeah, two, two quick questions for either, either of you. Could you clarify that, or can you tell me what's the new height of that fence if, without the bar? If it's 10 the, feet with the bar, what is it without? The posts are still 10 feet, so the posts on the side will still be 10 feet, uh, but there is no wires on that segment of the fence that uh, the wires are... I think they may be four foot from the ground up. So with the bar that you're removing, with the bar, it's 10 feet, correct? Well, the top of the bar is, is 10 feet. And, the, and what the, would it be without the, that bar that you've agreed to remove? The posts are also 10 feet, so it'll be the same. Yeah, so maybe two inches down. It depends where they cut it. Whether so, you cut it this way or that way, it will be two inches in difference. And, and the two inches of difference will 
example, does will 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 take away blockage of the window. Well, I, I think the most important thing for them are the top bar. The, the post on the side will stay, so whether they do the cut this way or that way will just make well, a difference of two inches. All, 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 I'm, all I'm asking is what you're, what you, the impact of what you're doing, not whether, whether or how much it's important to the neighbor. So the impact of what you're doing is you're, you're lowering, taking away that bar lowers that area by two inches. We are not really no. lowering the fence. The, the, the posts will stay the same height. Right. We're cutting off that one bar. So and what all, is so so then? Also, John, all of you? the cross wire is already gone. So if you look at the uh, on the screen there, basically the top bar will be removed. All of the wire in front of it is not there anymore. So you have a basically an open area between the two vertical. In front of the window. I'm going to take. Great. Oh. Okay. So every everything that would affect the windows would be gone. Well, your co-counsel is is nodding yes. So okay. I, I'm I'm drawing a really ugly drawing mm. here. <laughs> There's the window. Here's the symmetry uh, everybody likes. There's the bar that goes out. So there's nothing to obstruct the window. No. Great, thank you. We, could you fill out a speaker card, please? Mm -hmm. A speaker card? Any further questions? No. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the planning department. Mr. Green. Um, planning is not speaking. Mr. Green will be speaking. I just like to show the detail over time, just to clarify something. Can um, I get the overhead? Uh, the plans as written do not show a, a crossbar at the top. They show cables the entire way. So we're arguing over a bar that was not approved in the first place. So uh, we haven't inspected this fence yet. So it sounds like it's not being built according to the approved plans, um, unless there's another drawing that I'm not seeing. So just to clarify, you're arguing over a top bar that shouldn't be there in the first place. Any, um, any questions available? You have one for Mr. Epler, Commissioner Epler. Um, thank you for, for, I was going to ask about the, the lack of a bar on the entirety of the top there uh, on the plans. Um, I, since these were approved plans, is it safe for us to assume that the top bar is not structurally necessary? I'd say yes. It, it, I would say so. Okay, they're going because. to go down to uh, the bar. The, the steel tubes are two inches by two inches square. They go two feet into the ground, 10 feet high. I would, I'm not an engineer, but I would say the design professionals, I would hope the design professional took that into account when they designed this fence. And, and the Department of Building Inspection signed off on these plans as them being fine. Correct, yes. Right, without a top bar. Without with, a top with, bar. With a yes. wire instead. Correct. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any further questions? Uh, no. Okay. Commissioner, this matter is submitted. Uh, public comment? Was it? Oh, there was no public comment. Sorry. No public comment. All right. Um, uh, I'd like to start by asking the design professional to step to the podium, please, because we seem to have 
this is this is where we have problems when people don't build things according to plan and this is when we have we take steps um, it, uh, would you please put the design up that uh, was there with the or or mr. green has one that's clean oh, you have one. Thank that's you. great overhead please okay uh, so we can you s move it upwards because the it's obs obscured slightly thank you up the other way the other way yeah up 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 thank you perfect thank you all right so um, on on that what I see is wires yeah. correct yes and what I don't see is a top bar correct yeah no okay. we did not have a top bar okay on, is there a top bar which has been added to that fence is there a top bar on the fence yes I can see okay, that from so the that pictures. so now <laughs> that now we have a problem because what has been built is now illegal is now not according to a plan at which point the top bar in its entirety will go away okay because it's not in the plan and that's and that this is where contractors this is where this is where uh, per, uh, permit holders get themselves in trouble because number one in this case they didn't get a permit that's that happens all the time I don't sweat it anymore I've been doing this for a long time but when we find something that has been built that is not according to plan and you you you, you saw me focus very heavily on was this was this compliant was this legal yes it's legal except for the fact the plan you're representing is not what was built so this is where we run into problems you understand so is there a bar on the the entire top of the fence I believe so okay now um, uh, what happens if we re we remove the entire bar because it's now not legal well then we remove the top bar okay is structurally it's not a problem I think that should be unless it's yeah structurally I think is it is it a problem or not no okay thank you and then secondarily the wire which would also it would seem is there still would there still be a wire there if we remove the top bar we we don't have to keep a wire on that specific I understand don't please don't editorialize when you're responding to my question all it will do is serve to harass me and piss me off so very simple question is there a wire under the bar no okay great so if we take off the bar which is illegal then that whole there's nothing at the top correct that's right good that works for me all right so on 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 that commissioners of course we're going to have further conversation but I would be pleased to uh, make a motion uh, to what are we doing uh, uh, upholding the appeal uh, and granting the permit on the condition that the the bar which is at the top of the fence is entirely removed correct Julie well president swig that bar that horizontal bar is not part of the permit so DBI would go out there and tell them to remove it is that correct inspector green I mean, we shouldn't have to change the permit to have them remove something that's not even there legally. Commissioner, uh, Mr. Green, would you step to the podium, please? Uh, th that is correct. Yes, th we wouldn't All right, sign so off. So you're going to go out. So if if we deny the appeal, 
because the permit was properly issued, then you're going to go out there, you're going to do a final. You're going to say, aha, there's a bar. That's illegal. Please remove it. Correct. So our, our deed is done, and we don't have to make mention of the fact that there is a, a bar there at all. Yeah. The, the only question is what Inspector Green brought up before is that on the plans, there are still horizontal cables in front of the window. So you may, to change the permit, you would say remove the horizontal chains in front of the window. And maybe you could, is that correct, Inspector Green? Oh, there was talk about that before, not to put the cables um, in front of the window. Um, yeah. If they if they did omit those cables, then it wouldn't be built according to the approved plans. So we would have to change the permit to specify the removal of the cables in front of the window. God. Correct. It, it would be helpful if that's the direction of the board that we know how many cables. Right. I think I I think what the intent of the board is is to get the cable which is obscuring the window to be removed or the bar. There is no bar, uh, and now without a bar, there's not going to be a cable. But there has to be a cable because that's what the plans say. So we have to uh, ad adjust the plans to not include a bar or a cable. Correct. C correct. And how do we do that? I, I, do you want just a new drawing specifically removing three or four cables in that specific area? Just the top cable, because that's what yeah. we, that's the issue. That's what's well, the top one is not part of the permit, so DBI is going to make them remove it anyway. No, no, no. But but what's the here's the issue? You, you just brought it up the drawings. The drawings show that there is a cable, um, but in fact there is no cable. There is a bar. So when you when you remove the bar, uh, it's still the the drawings are still in the, uh, the drawings represent a cable, so the drawings aren't right. So the drawings have to be re reviewed to remove any cable and or bar which is obscuring the window. Correct? Sounds fine to me. So so give me some words so I can put it in a, so <laughs> in, I in, a motion, in a motion and then my fellow commissioners can comment on my wisdom or lack thereof. Okay, so you might want to uh, move to grant the appeal and issue the permit on the condition that it be revised to require the removal of the horizontal crossbar and cables that are in front of the appellant's window. Could I ask just uh, if we could ask the designer one question? Are the, sure. is, it, is it the intent of these cables to go from the entire length of the fence to, as a strengthening mechanism, or is it just a, um, you know, the, removing the some cables? Would the landscape architect please uh, step to the podium? Thank you. Um, well, I think uh, it's, I mean, we're going to have one panel on one side, and then we're going to have the panel with the window. So they're just asking if it's structural. Yeah, it will be structural. Yeah. That's, yes, it will be structural. So, Mr. Green, my, thank you very my, much. My question is, if you're going to be removing certain sections of this cable, is the entire fence going to keep the in structural integrity? Right, if you tighten the cables through all four That's what posts, she seems to say. Well, she said it is structural, but she didn't it, clarify it. It's not. Huh? It's not structural. Is the fence going to fall down without the, the top middle bar, top middle cable being there? No, it's not. Okay. Okay. So what do, what do you need, Mr. Green, to uh, get this legal? I, I think drawings specifying um, where the window is and wh which cables are not going to be there. 
Okay, so the, uh, the motion stands, Julie, uh, with a further addition uh, in conjunction with the resubmission of, of plans that reflect the, uh, the board's wishes. Yes, they would have to do that anyway. It's called a special conditions permit. Okay, Commissioner, sorry for trying to guide traffic. Uh, Commissioner Trisvenia. Uh, th thank you, President Swig. I, I just want to endorse your interest and desire to be specific here. Uh, the, the next item is, is an example of what happens when things leave us. It, not, not, it may not be typical, but it can happen. So I think the more we are specific as to, as to the intentions, as I understand it, we have here a, 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 a fence that wasn't that was built without a permit, and now it's been built with Incorrect. departing departing from from the permitted. And and so I think we do need to be specific. Uh, and I would just, and so I would endorse I would endorse the, uh, the 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 resolution that you are proposing, and just say again that that uh, the rest of all these details. I very much encourage the neighbors to work them out together. Uh, you may be angry now, but you're going to need each other. You've been there 17 years. You're going to need each other in the future. And these are the, many of the matters that we've heard today didn't need to be resolved by us. Uh, but we are here to resolve it on a legal basis, and uh, I, I support the motion. Thank you very much. Uh, any other commissioners have any comments? We have a motion standing. No comments. Uh, would you call for a vote, please? Okay, so we have a motion from President Swig to grant the appeal and issue the permit on the condition that it be revised to require the removal of the horizontal crossbar in its entirety, as well as the cables in front of the window. And this motion was made on what basis? On the basis. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. On the basis that the permit was properly issued. Properly issued. Well, you might want to say that it. Um, addresses some of the privacy concerns with the appellant Fine. or not to say it addresses the light concerns about light by the appellant. Fine. Okay. I think that uh, I think the permit was properly issued. Well, if it was, was properly issued, we wouldn't be changing it. Right. And what yeah, we're doing, right. we are changing it to remove some of the cables. Right. So, okay. Is that okay? President Swig? Uh, fine with me if it gets a vote. Okay. So on that motion, vice president Lopez. Hi. Commissioner Trisvenia? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero, and the appeal is granted uh, with those conditions, and I will follow up with the parties on how to submit revised plans. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we are moving on to item number five. This is a special item, discussion of possible action. On December 14th, 2022, the Board of Appeals heard appeal numbers 22-076 and 22-077 regarding building permits issued for work at 146 23rd Avenue. The Board granted the appeals with conditions. At the Board's March 15th, 2023 hearing, Scott Emlidge, the attorney for the appellant in those cases, spoke during general public comment and submitted a letter regarding these appeals. Mr. Enblidge indicated that not all, not all of the board's conditions were satisfied. At the request of President Swig, the Department of Building Inspection submitted a response letter to the Board of Appeals on April 4th, 2023. The commissioners will consider the letter submitted by Mr. Emblidge and DBI and determine the appropriate course of action if needed. Okay, um, so uh, this is not a hearing. We are not retrying th this, uh, this item. 
this is just to discuss um, any questions that you might have to the uh, to DBI regarding um, their response to uh, the letter um, and um, this item is closed but this is just feedback that we have requested from DBI related to uh, what happened in the circumstance and why a um, uh, why a party um, may have felt slighted in the process. Um, so, uh, because, um, yes, and that's all. So that we're, there's no resolution, there's no direction, there's nothing new, it's closed. This is just information only. If you have any questions uh, related to the letter, please ask them. If you have no questions related to the, the letter, uh, we will accept the letter with appreciation from DBI and, uh, and move on. Any questions, therefore? Commissioner Trezvina. Um So, if my first my first question is: Is there any is there any public comment on this matter? Uh, yes. Yes, there a, is. There's always public comment. Okay. And uh, would it, I, I would like I would like DBI to explain or summarize the the letter. It's been a while. Mr. Emblich made a, a very impassioned presentation and a detailed letter. I think it would help to to establish the record. Uh, what DBI's response is beyond the submission of the letter. So I would request uh, DBI to briefly summarize uh, the occurrences uh, from from your perspective. Thank you, Mr. Green. Uh, you'd like me just to go over the letter they submitted? Um, sure. So um, Mr. Evledge, uh came here and. Um, uh, felt, felt that we did not follow the board's direction. Um, it, if you remember, this case was a um, on 23rd Avenue where the property owners began work uh, prior to the permit being issued and they under, undermined the um, neighbor's property. Um, we did issue a notice of violation prior to the hearing asking them to backfill the, the lot. Um, one of the, condition, the conditions were um, well, sorry, the board upheld the permit uh, with the conditions that we would start as DBI would perform a start work inspection prior to commencing under the appealed permits. Um, the permit holder shall have site monitoring in place for both adjacent properties on or before the DBI start a work inspection. And the permit holder shall have a soils engineer perform a soil compaction test and prepare a report with the findings of the test. And then the soils compaction work must be performed in response to the notice of violation must be completed to DBI satisfaction prior to any work being performed under the permit. So we, we did have the start work uh, inspection uh, with um, our senior building inspector was on site. Uh, the neighbors were on site with their representatives, the permit holder, uh, DBI engineer as well, and um, I believe the engineer from the permit holder. Um, I'm just doing that from memory. It's in my letter, but that, that those most of the people were there. Um, it requires some site monitoring place to make sure there was no movement between the properties. Uh, that was in place. Um, he asked for a uh, soils compaction test. We had the 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 permit holder hired a soils engineer who came back and told us that a uh, compaction of the soil was. Um, 
not, I don't want to say not recommended. He's, he recommended against it causing any damage. Um, so it was our opinion that, well, let me back up. I guess there was some talk about an agreement between the neighbors, a written agreement. Um, that was not part of the board's uh, decision. Um, and unfortunately, the neighbors were not able to come to a written agreement. Um, our, our inspector did make it, uh, our, the senior building inspector, Brett Howard, did make a mistake when he was on site. He said no work would proceed prior to a written uh, legal agreement being in place. Um, he shouldn't have said that. That was a mistake. Um, we regret that. Uh, we, we don't have the power to force two parties to sign a legal agreement. Um, so based on those visits, the engineer's letter saying that the soil's compaction was, was, should not be done, um, we determined that the conditions of your, um, your decision were, were met. Um, Mr. Emblidge disagrees with that vehemently. Um, I think DVI's part, we could have done better with the communication between all the parties. Um, I, I, I do think we, 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 we dropped the ball in that. I apologize to Mr. Emblidge, his clients, and the board. Um, I'd say the project is almost completed. They're looking for final inspection. Uh, we're preventing final inspection until we get the structural special inspection submitted, which, and including the um, uh, monitoring reports, which were supposed to be in by yesterday, but uh, we have not received them yet. Mr. Epler. Thank, thank you for that. I, I, I do want to point out um, the, the communication aspect. And, you know, while perhaps it was not, you know, technically within clause three or condition number three that we had in our holding in our motion, um, it does say that um, Hiva Soil engineers perform a test, prepare report of findings, report will be shared with DBI and the appellant. No compression test may, or compaction test may have actually happened, but a soils engineer did create a finding, and that finding was shared with DBI, but that finding was not shared with the appellant. And, uh, that, that and, I, and so, I mean, that does feel like a fairly strong, not just a lack of communication, but a failure to follow the, you know, if not the exact precise letter what's inferred by what we meant in part number three of our uh, resolution. I, I would disagree with that. I believe I emailed the report to Mr. Emblidge the week before his public comment here. Okay. All right. Well, good. That clarifies that, and that's wonderful. Thank you. Commissioner Lemberg. Um, my mic's off. Uh, my question's for Mr. Emblidge, actually. Um, I, I want to be very careful with this question because I don't want to relitigate everything here, but... You can't, um, you can't anyway. No, I don't. I know I can't. Um, since the letters, the letter you submitted in March... Uh, I think it was in March. Um, from your view and your client's view, has, has anything changed since the letter you submitted that we should know about as a board as far as, as, far as uh, compliance with this? Because, I mean, it's now mid-May, and 
two months have passed, and I'm just curious if there's anything new, and I, I want to be very clear that this is a very narrow question just since the letter was submitted. If I understand the narrow question, I think the answer is no, nothing's changed. There's been no communication to my clients from DBI nor from the neighbors that um, address any of these issues. Has there been any work performed since then uh, to further what was discussed in, in our last hearing? Well, it's my understanding, my clients can certainly speak to it because they're living through it, that the work continues to be performed. Okay. Um, that wasn't a very good question, but... Um, <laughs> I think that's all I've got. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> okay, just uh, any, uh, Commissioner Lopez. Sorry, this one's for Mr. Green. So thank you, thank you for the for the summary and for for the letter. Um, on the on the topic of of communication uh, on the part of DBI uh, with all the parties, I guess what's what's concerning to me is that uh, unlike. Uh, a lot of matters that come before us, the uh, appellants in this case, you know, have counsel, very capable counsel, I would add, that's before us a lot and, and familiar with the ins and outs of these types of matters. Um, I'm sure not just the ones that come before the BOA, but, but you know, construction and, and, and planning matters generally. And and yet we have this fact pattern uh, post-decision uh, before us. And so what, what I get you know, very concerned about is, you know, what about all of our decisions involving appellants without counsel, involving appellants that, who may be uh, potentially less informed, who are really kind of, you know, once, once we um, once we leave the hearing room, they're really kind of relying on, on DBI to be good stewards of what's supposed to happen, which includes that communication. Um, so what, what can we do about that? Has any bit, anything been done to kind of operationalize uh, better communications? Um, and if so, what? You know, or, or, or if not, you, you can can we discuss any kind of you know potential solutions to, to that issue going forward? Um, what, what what's been done specifically? Uh, we, nothing. Um, I you you good good point. I, I don't have a defense that we sh should communicate better. Um, I, I I don't know what to say. Um, I will say if you feel um, I'm the wrong person to represent DBI, um, you don't have faith in me, I'll happily uh, get somebody to replace me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have a good answer to your question. No, I'm, that, that's, not, that's not where I was going. I think, I think it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's, it's something definitely that I can only speak for myself, but, uh, but I would certainly encourage uh, yourself and the department to, to consider, um, you know, if anything, you know, some kind of system where 
uh, you know, unlike a lot of, unlike most of the permits that, that get processed by DBI, you know, with, with something that comes before the BOA, for example, like we know that, <laughs> we know that there's an issue, otherwise uh, they would never come before us. Um, and so in my mind, you know, and obviously, you know, I sit over here and not, not in your chair, but in my mind, um, once we know that there's a dispute, it seems like we should widen the aperture of who's involved in those communications. So that's, uh, you know, that's ex an expression of, of uh, you know, concern and, and suggestion um, that I just, you know, encourage to be uh, internalized. Uh, but, you know, I also want to say that, you know, I appreciate uh, your service and the, 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 the question wasn't, wasn't intended to, to suggest otherwise. Well, I, I was, it, this was a failure, uh, you know, it's my responsibility. I, I apologize. I, I did not uh, approach them after the uh, hearing. I honestly didn't know if it was appropriate or not to do that until we spoke here. Um, I, I, all I can say is I'll, I'll do better. Thank you. Commissioner Eppler. Yeah, I, I do apologize for a little bit order. Can you just clarify, so because it wasn't in either of the letters when the report was sent to the uh, to the prior appellants? I, I'm sorry? The soils report when that was sent to the appellants? Uh, I sent it to council, I believe it was the Wednesday or Thursday before the hearing we had here. Okay. The, is, the, is that correct? I believe it was in early March. Okay, in early March. Well, okay, I guess what I was reacting to is that DBI reissued a soil removal permit in January um, prior to, you know, after getting that. And so when I meant having not communicated the report to the appellant, I didn't mean ever. I meant prior to other things going on so that they could be notified and thus be able to know what's going on and if there are any rights that they needed to protect, protect those rights uh, in, or, or even have a conversation with the permit holder to see what's going on and figure out if things are fine or not. Um, and, and the reason why I harp on that, and you know, it's because, you know, so, so much of what we see is due to, you know, failures of communication for a variety of reasons. And so much of the work that we do, and I, it's been amazing to me in my short time on here, how much work we do to make sure that communication happens in some way going forward to try and remediate not the technical matter of the law that's in front of us, but the human aspect of what led to the appeal in the first place. And, you know, mistakes happen, the department's resource constrained, things have to, I mean, it, there's a lot, I mean, it's not a personal failure and it, it's so much as it's a, you know, it's, it's a part of the just day-to-day -day life and institution. I just hope that we're clear that's, that we want to make sure that when we have people who are going to have to go forward, that the department does its best effort in making sure that it mediates things on a going forward basis, particularly when we have urged it to do so so clearly as a result of our our findings. And you know, but you know, thank you for for the work that you do, and you know, for standing up here and, and listening to us, you know, go on about this. But. You know. It's, I, you know, particularly, particularly with the Department of Building Inspection, it's important that, the, that its interactions with the public are, are very clear and very above board. And the air, and, you know, as if I say this, wearing in my old hat as a commissioner um, for the department, 
you know, we've, it's got to go further. It's, the error has to be on the side of overwork at this mm-hmm. point in time in the department's history. Correct. You're, you're correct, yes. Uh, Commissioner, does anybody else have any further comment? I'm just going to do closing. Um, I think it's very valuable uh, that we had this conversation today. First thing, wise man always told me, don't shoot the messenger. We're not shooting the messenger. You just happen to be the messenger, and don't feel that you're getting shot. Uh, we would be unwise to do that. Um, uh, but there have been s- several points that I hope are are taken to heart by DBI. I, don't, I also want to get into real life. Uh, three guys sitting in, under a house looking at a at a condition. Uh, one engineer says, "Hey, the, the, we can, we can't do this because uh, the house will fall down if we do this." this compaction process the the two, two guys sitting with them say yeah that's a good idea and they make the decision on themselves they don't bother to tell anybody mm-hmm. right i mean that's that's really where where it starts <clears throat> and uh so the, the whole point of extending the communication is is very important but i know real life because i could have been one of those guys and say oh well, finally we, fi- we fixed the problem we don't have to tell anybody because we fixed the problem but the, the, the communication piece is, is, is very, very, very important. And I understand you guys are overworked, underpaid, and the subject of many bows and arrows. Uh, and, uh, and I'm sensitive to, sensitive that you, you can't catch every one of them. But we're here to reiterate the, the need for, for communication. I, th- I thought that uh, Commissioner Lopez brought up a magnificent point. Here we have, a, here we have uh, an appellant who was who represented by, by skilled counsel. And we had the example of, of the previous case where a couple walked in front of us and said, well, I've never been here before. We have no idea how to do this. How, how, what are we supposed to talk about, right? And uh, hopefully I gave them some direction on what they were to talk about. But that's typical, not atypical. So w- I think we all have to walk in understanding that we have to bend over backwards to communicate detail, as Commissioner Trezvina uh pointed out that we have to assume uh, either underrepresentation or lack of experience in the, in, on the appellant side or even on the permit, permit holder side and bend over backwards to communicate. And uh, again, field staff uh, can't put uh, Mr. Green in the position uh, to get shot as the messenger uh, because that's really what, ha- what happened here is that uh, clarity with reporting back and then the ability for you to, cl- uh, with clarity, to report back to the appellant and, and even ourselves that, that we had it. You know, we, we walk out of here every week having gone this way or that way, and uh, we never know what the heck happens. We really don't. We just trust that what we deemed, whatever we deemed, will go according to what we deemed. But we never uh, really find out what the end of the story was. And in this case, uh, counsel stepped up and, and pointed out the end of the story wasn't exactly clear and wanted cl- clarity. We got clarity, but how many times? How many times we don't know the answer to this? Uh, may the story have gone south or not been followed up in the way that uh, we talked about. So um, it's a, the, the communication exercise is very important. Sorry if you're uh, if you felt that your feelings were hurt, were hurt, I apologize for potentially shooting the messenger. We had no intent of doing that, and uh, and we are very pleased with your 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 service and your ability to stand up here and take the bows and arrows, uh, wherever you might take them. 
Um, commissioners, with that, I think we've resolved this issue thoroughly, and uh, there will be others. We do have public comment, President. Oh, oh, we do have public comment. Okay. Yes. Okay. Is there anyone in the room who would like to provide public comment? I believe there's three, four people that would like to. Okay. Speak. Please, Alec, if you could call them up. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead, sir. <clears throat> Thank you. First, I just want to say this is not Scott Emblage versus Matthew Green. Um, I've had a long working relationship with Mr. Green and Mr. Duffy before him. Uh, it's been a good professional relationship. In fact, my clients feel it's been, I, I, I misled them because I told them, don't worry, Matthew Green and I are working on this. He's got your back. He's going to, you know, he's, he's going to protect us here. And they felt like, whoa, that didn't happen. Um, so it's not, it's not Scott Emblage versus Matthew Green. I want to, but I want to focus you on something here that seems to have escaped everybody. This compaction test issue, which is the one structural issue that's of most importance. When you heard this matter before, and it's always diff it's always dangerous for an attorney to say what a, a, a judge or a board meant when they made a decision. But when you when we heard this before, what was it about? It was about excavation that had occurred without a permit and soil that had been put up so that we couldn't know whether the, the neighboring foundations had been undermined. And we agreed that that soil would be taken away and a compaction test would be done at that point to see if there was still structural integrity neighboring the two property lines. Okay, that, that's not the compaction test that this engineer that the Monahans hired is talking about. He's talking about he didn't want to do a compaction test at the end of the day. After all the soil had been removed, after he had come in and he put grouting in and, and, and work had occurred, he's saying, well, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to do a compaction test now. Of course it doesn't, because he missed the opportunity that this board told him, which was do that compaction test at the, when, when, after you uncover the improper work, do the compaction test then so these folks can have some security that their homes weren't undermined. But then what actually happened was they took away that soil without notice with this, through this new permit. And then uh, they authorized more work to be done, which was done. And n never in, that, in the course of that was the compaction test done. It can't be done now uh, unless you ordered them to rip out all the work. So I just, I, I feel like that got lost in this conversation. There are winners and losers in this situation. There's really only one winner, and that's the Monahans. They did unpermitted work, um, and they got away with having this redone. Uh, there are lots of losers. And the losers are these folks, the neighbors. Um, the losers also include this board, who I believe had its um, authority undermined. But also, it's the point that you've all been making. Another loser here is the public and DBI, because there needs to be public confidence the DBI is out there trying to protect the members of the public, not just the privileged contractors, but the members of the public. And I think this Thank you, conf time. that confidence has been undermined. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Uh, and Mayor. Oh, sorry, this gentleman. Good evening. My name is Brad Solomon. I appeared before you on the two prior occasions this matter was heard. I've spent the last 33 years as a senior attorney at the California Attorney General's office, so I've seen my share of matters. And this one is about as troubling 
as uh, any I've seen. And I come before you as a private citizen, as a neighbor of the Mahers. And my question to the board is, what are they supposed to do now? Because as the Maher's attorney said, the cement has been poured now so that what this board wanted done back in December now can't be done without tearing up this project. Just to remind the board, back in December, the issue was the structural foundation of the Maher's house and that the soil had to be removed in order that a test could be made to determine the foundation structure. That never took place. DBI came out there on January 5th and said, we need to do that because the board's ordered that. And in order for us to do that, we want to get a written agreement between the parties as to how we're going to proceed. And nobody's going to do any work until that agreement is entered into. And DBI made no effort whatsoever to facilitate that agreement. And now DBI, as they had done previously, if you look at the history of this case, wrongfully issued a permit again. They did it at least two times, if not three times in this case. And I appreciate Mr. Green coming before the board today and saying, we screwed up here. But what does that do for the Mahers? What are they supposed to do? And I'm sure you're going to invite them to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars filing a civil suit. But why should they be victimized like that? They did nothing wrong here. They didn't do work without a permit being issued. They didn't not follow the instructions of DBI. They did everything they could, and they still don't know if their house is on a solid foundation. If this board has any authority, and I question it after what I've seen here, but if you have any authority, and if DBI has any authority, there's still something that could be done, even if it means tearing up the work that's already been done. But there should be an obligation on the part of this board and on the part of the DBI to do something for the Mahers. They should not just walk out of here tonight feeling as if they're lost and there's nothing they can do to try to save their own house. So find a solution because this is wrong. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please approach the mic. The mic. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak this evening, outlining some of the issues that transpired coming out of the Board of Appeals ruling on December 14th. First, I want to start with DBI's purpose statement on their website. It's to serve the city of and county of San Francisco and the general public by ensuring that life and property within city and county are safeguarded and provided to a public forum and community involvement in that process. As I'll outline, this purpose statement was not accomplished in this case. Instead, two local senior citizen families who follow the rules and guidelines of the city officials were misled and were not provided proper due process to ensure the properties were safeguarded. One thing I want to ask at the end is why was a compaction test not done, but then the neighbors were allowed to use rotary hammers and pickaxes to dig up illegal concrete that was poured and was video and photos were sent to DBI with no response. Now I want to get into what, what transpired. First, no compaction test was completed, which was a requirement by the Board of Appeals ruling. Second, neighboring engineers never got the opportunity to inspect the unpermitted work done at 14623rd Avenue after the mounds of dirt and other impediments covering the property line were removed. The unpermitted work includes excavation, excavation and concrete poured on the north and south property lines next to each neighboring property, all done without permit as outlined in DBI's engineering report by DBI's 
Derrid Zetto and was shared on January 10, 2023. These violations and actions are covered and pictured in the court documents provided by DBI today, and, and David Zetto said new permits needed to be issued. Third, that's uh, DBI Senior Inspector Brett Howard established guidelines and rules for all parties on January 5th, 2023 during the site visit following the Board of Appeals ruling in December. Brett Howard communicated both verbally, in person, and in writing via his government-issued email to all parties. I quote from his email, I'm sending this email to reiterate that what was discussed during this meeting this morning. A written agreement signed by all parties must be in place prior to commencing what I shall refer to as phase one. Phase one entails excavating on the Mars side down to the bottom of the previously poured caissons and removing any loose soil in between all poured caissons to expose the condition of the native underserved soil. Additionally, once that is done, a meeting between all aggravated parties and myself shall be scheduled in order to discuss and agree upon the work going forward. That didn't happen. DBI did not provide any communication to the Mars or Lasenkos about changes to these rules and guidelines. Instead, a few weeks later, a new permit was issued with no communication to the affected neighbors, which contradicted all verbal and written communication provided to the Mars and Lasenkos since the site inspection. So to recap, no compaction test was completed and more excavation was done, which was out of scope of permit. No written agreement was signed and outlined in DBI's rules and guidelines. No communications on changes was provided by DBI. No future meetings were scheduled with all parties involved before work would proceed, which was outlined by DBI's rules and guidelines via their government-issued email. Instead, the neighbors were left shocked when work commenced and their, their houses Thank shook. That's time. And Can you fill in the card? Thank you. Speaker cards for me? Thank you. Um, Are there any other speakers in the room for public comment? Yes, we do have. Okay, please approach the microphone and begin speaking. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good evening. I am one of the neighbors affected by the unpermitted construction that happened. My husband and I have been taxpaying residents of San Francisco for over 40 years. Our family worked for a very, very long time to save up to buy our first home in San Francisco, the place that we now call home. My husband and I married and had three children, all of whom attended school in San Francisco. In 2003, we finally found our forever home at 1423 um, 23rd Avenue, which was built in 1916. We did this by obtaining the proper permits through DBI and following the strict San Francisco building procedures. We have lived at our current renovated home for 20 years. This neighborhood that we now live in is a very tight community, and I feel that we have lived up to the standard of what San Francisco tries to promote as the perfect community. However, I feel that we have been let down and taken advantage of by the San Francisco leaders and inspectors that are supposed to keep my family and my neighborhood safe. You, the board, laid out a ruling after the December hearing in December. DBI provided my family and the other involved parties that their own set of rules and procedures in a written email on top of that. These rules and procedures were not upheld. Instead, they were circumvented by quick and uncommunicated work permits provided by DBI. My family was not notified 
and we only became aware of the new construction that began because our home began rattling and shaking from pickaxes and power tools and such as rotary hammers being used next door. I speak on behalf of my family who has been in San Francisco residence for over for almost half a century. We love our home and hope to continue safely living here, but due to this experience, we are no longer feel comfortable that are safe in our own home. Which would cause if to lose the legacy and the family memories that we worked so very hard to obtain. I did not really want to speak here today, but I felt it was necessary to perhaps examine the series of events that have occurred and at best prevent it from happening for another future aspiring Francisco family. Thank you for listening to me today. And I must also add, which is not part of my notes here, is that my husband, my son, our engineer, and our lawyer appeared at the designated time to review the composting uh, soil that was removed, and we were denied access by the owners of the property. So to say that you know we we didn't we weren't there. Thank you. That's time. Okay. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the room, Alec, who would like I, to speak to my one, public comment? I believe there's one more speaker. Okay. And then we'll go to Zoom. <clears throat> yes, hello. I'm Nina Lysenko, and I own the house on the other side, 150 23rd Avenue. And everything that went wrong has already been said, except one item. The violation was issued to my address, not to the people who were doing the construction. And if you feel that everything is okay, then I want that violation removed from my record. You know, that's my request because I didn't do anything. And if you feel that everything is fine with that construction, it should like go away and not be on my record. That's all I wanted to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any further public comment from people in their hearing room? No. Okay, is there any public comment Oh, I see. Uh, yes, in on Zoom, Miss Monahan, please go ahead. I can. Would you like your video? Hello. Uh, no, that's okay. But you can hear me. Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, hello. I just wanted to say I think this is kind of being misrepresented. Um, the agreement in question was something that Mr. Emblidge kind of barged into the meeting on January fifth. He wasn't actually invited. We said their engineers could come, and then he just came in after I'd asked them not to come onto the property. Um, and I think that's where Brett got confused and thought that there was supposed to be an agreement. So um, I, I don't think that that needs to be Brett's fault. Also, I don't think it's fair to say that DBI didn't make an effort to have us come to an agreement. They did. I spoke on the phone with Brett and uh, Matt several times talking about the agreement um, and they very much encouraged it, but it wasn't, it wasn't gonna happen. Um, I did notify the neighbors, I did notify Karen on January 30th that we were going to move forward with just the Board of Appeals decision uh, or, or the items that were in that and not do the agreement and let them know that we we had gotten, we were going to get a permit to remove the soil, which is what we were doing a written agreement about anyway. Um, so then when the soils, the, the soils engineer came by to do the compaction test after we had removed it, he was saying, he was like, there isn't. I can't do a compaction test on here. There's that that term is being used incorrectly. Um, so he did as much of a test that he could do, and 
that was shared with DBI and uh, the neighbors on February 23rd. I emailed that to them myself. Um, and we we do have faith in DBI. That's why we decided to move forward without the agreement. We just said, okay, great. DBI can be the determining party on what's going on here. Um, and they have come out several times. They've done all the follow-up inspections that we needed to do. We did remove the soil between the caissons. DBI came by and inspected and said, okay, this looks fine. They took pictures. That will all be, I'm sure, in the uh, permit if, if the neighbors want to look it up when it's done. And the notice of violation, uh, as far as I understand, will be removed on Ms. Lysenko's house as soon as the permit is closed. It hasn't been closed yet because we didn't have the monitoring report. I just received it during this meeting, so I will be sharing that with everyone. Um, and then when the permit is being closed, that is when the NOV, I think, is supposed to be removed. Um, we have complete faith in DBI. They've done uh, a great job as far as I can tell. Um, and I has been blown a little bit out of proportion. The uh, the foundations were looked at by DBI, and so uh, the matters, I don't know, can probably access that when it's closed to know that the house is safe and everything. The monitoring report looks fine, um, and there, there don't seem to be any big issues here, and um, that's it. Okay, thank you. Is there any further public comment on Zoom? I don't see any. Okay, so um, this matter's concluded. No, nope. unless nope. you wanted to take some action. No, nope. no, no. Let me let me just speak quickly. Uh, and if the commissioners choose to participate, of course you may. Mr. Green, you are the messenger, and you won't get shot. But I'm going to do some shooting. Um, clearly, this is the the bandage just got pushed off the wound. This case is closed. But if I was the director of your department, I would be taking special action to reevaluate the entire case, to take into consideration in public comment what the appellant brought up again. We can't try it again. It's closed. But but there's 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 a lot of bothersome garbage that's gone on. It's more than miscommunication. I I I not, I'm not going to use the word negligence, but if I was the director of the DBI with all of the bad stuff that has gone on in your department, whether it's true or not, as being litigated in the civil courts at this moment, when, when I hear a case like this, if I was the director of the department, uh, I'd be taking a, sp a special action beyond Mr. Green and beyond the inspectors to look into specifically just what was just raised at this moment when the bandage was pulled off and included Ms. Ms. Monaghan's points of view as well. But man, th this thing is just, this thing is just wide open. Uh, negligence, I don't know. I'm not in your business. But if I were the neighbors, I'd be, I'd be very upset. Uh, clearly, the, we started this hearing on very unfriendly terms with this body because the permit holder misbehaved and, and I might say arrogantly misbehaved and, and then to find out that it was done in such a loosey-goosey fashion when the, in the first place there was misbehavior by the permit holder 
and and again the bandage was just pulled off so uh, I would I would highly recommend that your director step in and defend the position of the Board of Appeals and go back and make sure everything that was done as was promised because that's why we're here in the first place correct gentlemen and if it isn't take action popular or not who cares doesn't matter if the wrong was done make it right that's what the appellant deserves that's what the opinion of this body was make it right clearly somebody in this room does not feel it was done correctly and and I'm not shooting the messenger I'm shooting the department so take it upstairs resolve the issue or how can we trust you how can they trust you I'm pointing to the appellant for those who can't see my gesture and how can anybody who who walks in it's not you mr. green it is your department all right and understood and that that that's it and and mm -hmm. what I'm what I just heard as the bandage was pulled off was it didn't go the way it was supposed to go. It didn't go directly as it was as we ruled. And, and that upsets this, this commission. That upsets the members of this commission and dishonors us. Don't feel, I don't feel good about that. And I don't feel good for the appellant. I, I don't have as much mercy for the permit holder because the permit holder started this whole action by, by misrepresenting the, their action and doing the wrong thing. So I'm not feeling bad about that. So that's, that's the message that I'm asking you to carry back. Any dissent from the commission, from my point of view? They're shaking their heads no. So please take that back to your director. Understood. Hello. Thank you very much. Okay. I, th I think now we're concluded. Okay, thank you all for joining us this evening.